working this time. To the patrons of the Red Lagoon, to those gathered at the Circle Perilous, and to all the defenders of this broken land, welcome to episode 24 of Morocco Public Radio for the week of January 26th, 5th. I wrote 28th, but that's the day we're recording. One of them's <laughs> right. We are the Casual X-Men Chat Show, where we chat everything happening in Marvel's Mutants every single week. I'm Ron. Below me is The Last of Us on HBO to my Last of Us on PS3, my one and only Comega mutant. And over there, we've got Owen, the broken record, and our broken mod for the broken land that is our Discord server. Welcome back, sir. I'm only here for Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> no. <laughs> this week, we are talking about Sins of Sinister number one, Exterminators number five, going in my dark web for uh amazing spider-man 15 18 whatever issue number it is 18 i think 18 i did not fill out my notes accurately and talking saber tooth and the exiles number three but first but first our first ever two-time guest we don't have to go through an introduction so how would you guys like to play a game Let's 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 play a I'm game that I can use at. <laughs> this is the least enthusiastic response I've ever seen. I love it. Oh, hey there. <laughs> game. Uh, All right. I'm calling this. Which future was it? Fuck. I have six <laughs> six trivia facts about things that were happening in an X-Men alternate future comic book because there's been that many. I actually had to eliminate a few. Oh, I'm going to get I'm gonna be terrible at this. It's I'm going to be terrible at this. Yeah. It's you two versus each other. Uh-huh. So, you each will get three. I'll give you just the, the trivia first. If you don't get it right, it moves to the other person and they get the year also. So, you have a chance to steal from each other, basically. Okay. Who wants to go first? You know what? The guest guest can yeah. go first. I like the gracious host. I like the bullet. Owen, do you know which alternate future Lila Cheney dated Gambit? Um, simple answer is no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Technically, that is accurate, I suppose. <laughs> um. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna be tactical and pu- purely for fun. I definitely know the answer. I'm gonna pass it to Keegan. Okay, Keegan. Yeah. The story takes place, or the story came out in 1995. Age of Apocalypse. There you go, Keegan, with uh, one point on the board. And I'm ruined because my strategy was to say that every time. <laughs> <laughs> Would have eventually been right no matter what. Keegan. Graydon Creed led the strike team that nearly wiped out all mutants. Age of Apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Incorrect. Owen. The year this story came out. 2011. Ooh, uh, that's a lot later than the answer I was going to say. Um, um, can I have the trivia fact again, please? Graydon Creed, who will come up later, led the strike team that nearly wiped out all mutants. Um, I don't think this answer's right, but I'm going to say, is it Avengers versus X-Men? Oh, funny answer. And I think that was 2011, maybe 2012. It was Age of X. Uh I had a feeling I was right with the year, but... You were close, but yeah. No, yeah. that's the one where Legion did his own Age of Apocalypse, essentially. Yeah. Alright. So, sticking with you, Owen. Nightcrawler is a famous movie star in this alternate future. Um... Oh, God, I think I know this one, but I don't remember the name of it. Um... This is going to really bug me if I don't get this. Uh, I'm going to... It's probably the most know. forgotten like X-Men story ever in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't think it's right, but Days of Future Past. No. No. Keegan, do you want the year? I guess. <laughs> 2019. 
Oh, Christ. What? 2019? Oh, I, I just, just realized what it is. <laughs> I uh... Oh, I should know this one then. Hold on. If you don't get this, I'm going to give Owen a chance to steal it back just because I like yeah. the guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so fair. Um, 2019. Damn. I, I, I don't know. Do you want to take this, Owen? Is it? Is it X Lives? Oh no! It's no, Age, no. Age of X Men. <sighs> it was basically the same story, but this time it was Nate Gray yeah. doing it. <laughs> and it's forgotten because the only reason the storyline existed was Hickman was taking longer than they thought. So they're like, "Oh crap, guys, we gotta do something next year." So it was like the holdover before they could launch House of X. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Magneto's the one in the wheelchair this time. Is is mm. oh wait, hold on, I know this one. Is it House of M? No, it mm. fuck it, I know. I I think you're right, but that's not a future, right? That's just an alternate world. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know if House of M counts as an alternate future and more I, of just an alternate reality. Yeah, every, I, th- every, I think it was just a worldly. Everything's alternate, you know. You're, yeah, no worries. Uh, <laughs> Owen, the year is 1981. Oh, is this one Days of Future Past? This is Days of Future Past. <laughs> we are tied one one. My other guess was just going to be Age of Magneto because at this point. <laughs> I, I have a very fun trivia fact for you about that one, though. If yeah. you had to guess the far-flanged future that we were shown in Days of Future Past, when do you no. think that took place? Uh, uh, wasn't it, like, 2022 or 2023? Oh, not even. It was 2013. <laughs> the desolate apocalyptic future they predicted was 2013 <laughs> no see that's my favorite thing in old media when it's like oh it's in the future it's when they do like 200x and you just get to guess they were like ah you give it a 10 years <laughs> back to owen right yeah yeah despite decades of stories where he learned how dangerous it is wolverine casually fucks up time and goes back and kills hank pym um this is, I think, oh, I really need the year for this. Um, I'm, I, again, I obviously know the answer. I'm going to throw you a bonus fishing line. I'm not going to give you the year, but uh, it is a year that we've already talked about. That's right. Okay. we got two future X stories in the same year one time. That's how often they do this. <laughs> is, is... Is this one X Lives? No. No? And this is Oh no, you you Keegan gets a chance. 2011 uh, again. Oh. Uh, is 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 this Avengers versus X-Men? <laughs> Have you guys read Avengers vs. X-Men? I don't think they go to the future of that. <laughs> this is Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron oh. and Age of X came out the same year. <laughs> Did it? Yeah, isn't that crazy? You mean, you mean to tell me that Age of Ultron, Age of X, and Avengers vs. X-Men all came out in the same year? I think Avengers vs. X-Men might have been 12, but yeah. Hold on. Same I, general vicinity. <laughs> let, let, let me get a young Google on this while you... <laughs> This is already turning into our best record ever. <laughs> Absolutely. It is 2012. It is 2012. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> no worries. Now, Keegan, I was hoping you were going to go first because, as always, I have a real softball for the last one. Hope gets really excited to fire a cannon straight at Krakoa. Oh, it's, 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 it's this one. <laughs> yeah, since Sinister. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to make an executive decision, though. We're calling that a tie. It's a tie. Technically, Keegan won, but... (laughs) I only won because I was going to scattershot Age of Apocalypse anyways. (laughs) So, guys, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm good. It's been a good week. It's been a really good week. It's been a really good X-Men week, for sure. Oh, for sure. Like, I feel like my overall comic stack was pretty weak, but the free X-Men... 
Sins of Sinister number one, written by Kieran Gillen and drawn by Lucas Warneck. It opens with a data page that's a Jean-Paul Sartre quote, with his name crossed out, replaced by Nathaniel Essex. Hell is other people. We see the pages that Keegan and I already talked about last week, uh, set 10 years into this crazy future, and it's literally just a recreation of the first two pages of House of X, but with Sinister replacing Xavier and saying, to me, my knees. Uh, then cuts back to the end of Immortal X-Men number 10 last week and Sinister going in the pit. We see Xavier with his diamond looking in the mirror and he's approached by Emma, then Exodus, and Hope, all with their own trademark diamonds. They discuss the need to carry out their plan in secret for now. We see a council meeting where they vote to extend resurrection to humans. The four sinister members are clearly manipulating the council, but also kind of genuinely retaining aspects of their character with Xavier still driven by a desire for world peace, uh, while Exodus still views Hope as a messiah figure. Whether it's a telepathic trip or fancy makeup, they are able to hide their diamond as they manipulate the rest of the council. It's agreed to give humans a partial X gene to grant access to the resurrection protocols. The story then jumps forward. We see Ben Urich come to J. Jonah Jameson with a scoop. But first, he needs to use a needle to test J.J. When he confirms he's clean, he breaks the news. The X-Gene is a Trojan horse that embeds a personality virus that can take you over at any time. Uh, Jameson asks for evidence, and Ben assures him that he does have it. Jameson has his own reveal. Of course he has the gene, and like some stupid test would disprove anything. Uh, and then a horde of red diamond civilians storm the room, take Ben captive. We see Forge, now also sinister, tampering with a cannon that can render Krakoa brain dead. And Hope is like super excited to fire it. The Quiet Council blame Orcus and tell humanity with Krakoa destroyed, all of human backups were lost too. This inspires the Avengers to help wage war and shut Orcus down. And Captain America agrees to get the X-Gene as like a symbol of peace. Finally, Sinister is let out of the pit and he heads to his base. And a data page finally breaks down his overall plan. Driven by his long-standing fear that humanity will eventually be consumed by Dominion AI hive minds, which uh, we did see play out in some of the past Moira lives, he plans to use resurrection to spread himself across the world as a first step to making humanity into its own Dominion first, and using the Moira save points to help him like make sure he gets it right, basically. He can go back and he can get all the info he needs and go back and play the perfect version of a reality. Surprisingly, uh, it didn't work when he first tried it. Eventually, he figured out that Hope was, like, fixing the DNA without even realizing it, that she had the, the magic, magic moves. So he, she had to be the first to die because all before all the rest of the dominoes could fall. Speaking of Hope, she fires Juggernaut through Thanos' head in the first of, like, a quick series of how easily they handled these world-ending threats by with the sinister new world order kind of thing going on. Uh, they win another war against the Eternals. They use a sinister Ben Grimm to take out Reed Richards. And they wage a new X-Men versus Avengers war that is pretty easy once the human Avengers are all compromised with the X-Gene. Five years in, however, Storm calls out the ridiculousness of all these events, including, she's figured out, Kurt's a fake. At this accusation, Sinister reveals himself and has the original Kurt, now bestial and like dog-like on a leash, following behind him. Uh, all the council, which now includes Namor, Magic, and Beast, reveal their diamonds and attempt to assault Storm psychically. But she walked into the meeting prepared. She had Lactuka imprint a trigger to the endless void in her mind. So if it was tampered with, like they go there instead. Uh, she unleashes like a giant storm on the council meeting chambers. Uh, she calls them all abominations and sinisters. Like, are you saying that like it's a bad thing? Storms met by Mystique and Destiny, who repeat a line that she's told Nathaniel many times: "We must be on the same side." Sinister takes Storm's place on the council finishing off his sinister council we see more highly destructive shenanigans sebastian shaw becomes an ambassador of hell magic destroys asgard scarlet witch is killed just in case and Araco is wiped out rest in peace Araco. sinister creates new fascinating chimeras at the expense of polluting the entire eastern seaboard we see foggy nelson protesting the x-gene in year 10 but he gets arrested by a spider-man nightcrawler hybrid sinister is shocked however when his quiet council outvotes him over going to war with the space empires. And uh, that makes him realize that the base personalities leave too much freedom in these guys. He heads to his Moira engine ready to reset the clock 10 years just to figure out it's been stolen. He's trapped in this future too! <sighs> Question for either of you. Has there ever been a better first issue in an event? Was, I don't think so. It was so good. That yeah. sets everything up so well. 
Yeah. Like somehow it answered every question I had, but also asked plenty new ones. Mm-hmm. Oh. For sure. It was um I I liked how even um even while the various members of the Quiet Council are these um puppets of Sinister, they all you can very, very clearly see their own personalities within them, um yeah. in the actions that they all do. Um and all of them have very, very clearly still themselves, um, at least in a way, and I absolutely loved that. Yes, but I think what really sold it for me in the end was as I was reading that, I thought those tendencies were going to be what made them the heroes of the story to an extent, that like, oh, the Quiet Council is going to stand up to them or something, but I kind of love and did not see coming for a guy that feels like I call a lot of things. I think they're setting up the, essentially, those Sinisters are the bad guys of the story, and I think Mr. Sinister is going to end up having to be with the heroes. Like, he's going to have to side with Destiny and Storm, and I think that's that's why we keep getting that repeated motif of Destiny saying, oh, we all have to work together, is basically setting up that the Resistance is going to be Mr. Sinister, Destiny, and Storm. And that's crazy cool to me that, like, they pulled that rug out from under us that I I genuinely was going into the midpoint of the issue with, like, oh, that's what's going to happen. Like, the Council will stand up to him and, and there'll be a back-and-forth power struggle there. But I like that the villain is all of these creations that he's going to have to try to take down himself, maybe. Like, that's that's the vibe I get, at least. And that's really fun. I'm, I love that he's trapped. I also feel like that was the main thing a lot of people wrote off the story with, was, oh, it'll all get erased anyways. He'll just reset. So I kind of like that they immediately took that off the board, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it accomplished a lot in the first issue. I, I didn't expect it to accomplish this many things this fast. It was... Uh... Really interesting to see that, and completely tossed my ideas all over the place. I, I am officially in. I don't know what's happening, land. I love. I love how lost we all are. Yeah. I also feel yeah. though, like we do have to take a little credit for ourselves. There are a few things we did call Keegan. Like mm-hmm. we've been talking about the DNA Trojan horse forever. We've yes. been talking about that hope is somehow the key. Like I, I like that she didn't realize she was doing anything that she was like subconsciously fixing stuff is really cool but we called that we called the storm stuff i was even corrected at one point on the storm stuff and then got to be uncorrected but man yeah i mean i was i was pretty convinced that the entirety of this was going to be like oh it's a four-way sinister war each suit is going to be battling each other kind of thing i like that the only reference we got to dog to dr stasis Orbis Stellaris and presumably Mother Righteous or whoever the heart is, is like a throwaway line where he's like, I wanted to figure out more before I reset. I wish I would deal with those three imposters. That's the only reference we get to them in the entire issue. And that's mm-hmm. theoretically a big part of the story that we haven't even seen yet. So that's pretty cool. Wouldn't it be funny if after all this time, they're just like not a part of it at all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, couldn't you see a world where that is the case, though? If this really is all about his meddling, maybe maybe they do leave the Four Sinisters as something to be dealt with in the future. I mean, it, de- yeah. it definitely could be. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of hope not, but... I wouldn't be s- surprised if it was something that up until now, Kieran Gillen had just left um, just just specifically to fuck with people and it's never gonna get addressed again (laughs) truly (laughs) i could see that i could also see him leaving it literally a decade from now dealing with it because something that hasn't pointed out other places but his very first issue on uncanny x-men in 2011 was subtitled everything is sinister Mm. and this issue was subtitled everything is sinister so like he plants seeds way way in advance sometimes probably not even knowing if he'll ever get to actually sow them like he'll leave them hanging hoping he gets to come back to him i feel like yeah he, he loves a good callback mother righteous is on a few of the covers so i yeah. i do think that we're gonna see something with these guys but it would be funny if it was left hanging <laughs> truly like yeah i just it's gonna be really interesting right like i just 
I don't know where it's going with the with the suits, and I have a bunch of uh, hopes and fears of it, but uh, I hope it gets dealt with to some extent. I mean, if it gets left hanging just because that's the way we're doing it, that would be funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Well, it's the sort of thing where the theme set up so far, all about the X-Gene stuff, like an orc is being literally wiped out, and we know Dr. Stasis is tied really heavily to Orcus. They're going to war with, with the, the Space Empire, so maybe they'll run into Orbis up there. But I can see to give these characters justice them leaving it hanging. But, I mean, we also have a thousand years to deal with it because yeah. we get one issue from each writer set at it, the time period we see here, the 10-year mark. Then we get one issue of each book set a hundred years in the future. And then the third issue of each story is a thousand years in the future. And that's a pretty wide time frame to play with so we'll probably see something with each whether they actually get dealt with or they're just players and then are still around after I don't know. who knows and i think the thing that um that obviously surprised me is that that they had to sinisterize beast in order to make him evil as if he's not that already Right. <laughs> I'm going to posit this. Sinister Beast is actually the less evil version. I was going to maybe he sinistered him to tone it down. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right, I need someone that will listen to me and not try to take over. And he, he did his thing. Uh, oh, Beast. What have you become? What have you become, Hank? All right, we're going to be forced to talk about him next week. Let's stick to happy things this week. <laughs> I liked this book a lot. I want to talk about this book. Uh, Spider-Man Nightcrawler hybrid is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, except except he came just a few pages after Colossus Beast hybrid, which was also amazing. Colossus yeah. Beast was literally metal as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I need an action figure. I like that it was so casual about oh yeah, we've got all these Chimera like, production facilities. It's destroying the entire eastern seaboard, but what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, you know, it happens. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of really good humor, which I know we talked about with Judgment Day that that's a big selling point in Karen Gillen, but like the whole Scarlet Witch murder page, and then it just has, just in case. <laughs> just in case. I mean, Brilliant. she is truly like the, un, the, uh, but you can't account for her. So, okay. Who has the Moira engine? I'd like to like. I'd like to hope that it's uh, Storm and it's uh, the Brotherhood, but also I really don't think it's Storm and the Brotherhood. Um, it might be too early for them to have that big yeah. of an advantage. I'm personally gonna say that it's one of the members of the Quiet Council, if not a joint effort. Um, if I had to choose one of them, I'm going to go with Charles. Um, because it, it just seems like something he would want to like have in his quest for world peace, uh, no matter the cost. I'm going to give my answer, and then I want to double back to that, because I do have something I want to ask about Charles. But my, like, out of left field, but I want credit if it happens... I think that's where they bring in Dr. Stasis. I think Dr. Stasis has the Moira engine. See, I that's I was thinking it's one of the other suits, whether it's Stasis or, you know, Morbid Righteous or, you know, Orbis Stellaris. One of the other suits. Yeah. Or the real Nathaniel Essex never actually died, and these four clones have been doing oh their thing, God. and Nathaniel is here and has stolen it. That would be an awesome white drum if there was like a fifth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, back to the Charles Xavier thing, because you made the beast joke. So, the sinister gene essentially removes your inhibitions or morals, or like, whatever it is that's stopping you from doing what you really need to do to get your shit done, right? Yeah. So, is, so is sinister Charles really any different than regular Krakoa Charles? <laughs> no. No. Um... <laughs> If anything, he's probably a bit nicer. <laughs> same same Charles. Charles. Beast, where the, the, the censoring him actually made him a better person. 
<laughs> made it easier to deal with them and therefore <laughs> just because i'd love to throw like what's your interpretation moments at you so when cyclops convinces cap to get the x gene and we see them walking and it's the weird like focus on their juicy butts like i don't know why it's like framed the way it is but is cyclops being manipulated by the council or do you think he is also already sinistered and he's manipulating cap oh i think he's got to be sinistered already with how many times that dude dies that's fair yeah that um, dude dies like it's a tuesday like <laughs> <laughs> that's fair I'd like to think that he, it's it's the council manipulating them both. Um, I because that's quite a cyclops thing to do anyway. Uh, yeah. But as as mentioned, cyclops does die like every <laughs> other day, like a lot. Yeah, it, it's a problem. He dies a lot. This is very fair. That's got me thinking, like, how quickly they must have sinister... So, I really hope a moral X-Men kind of goes back to that year one stuff. Because we only have so many pages of this event we're dealing with. They make the point about how between Hope, Emma, and Xavier, like, they can keep things under wraps because they've got the major psychics. But... They have to have sinistered like Jean pretty quickly, right? Or somehow removed her from the board, or Jean's gonna realize shit's fucked up. Or I'm very like I loved how quickly the issue moved, but man, it leaves a lot of open questions. I I do get a feeling that this is gonna be one of those events where not everything uh, gets answered. Yeah, in um, a good way, probably. Oh yeah, uh, and that's also probably. Um, Kieran Gillen setting more seeds up for a, yeah. a potential future event 25 years down the line. <laughs> Old man Gillen gets to write it. <laughs> so, have we seen any power scalers reacting to magic being able to destroy all of Asgard? I mean, if we have, I haven't because I do not reach that side of the internet very often. Um, I hear you, but this just reminded me... This just reminded me I need to now rile them by doing a video on how Magic can solo the entire Asgardian cast, including Thor, because it'd be it's fun true, to watch their reactions. It, it is a factual <laughs> statement, is the thing. I can only imagine you're going to get some absolutely lovely, kind <laughs> comments uh, that, <laughs> that really sort of support you and nurture you. <laughs> your thought i really liked storm going in with a plan mm -hmm. I, again like always why did it take her five years to stick up for anyone but still pretty cool to see you great use of lactuka i love how lactuka has just become this like tool in her tool belt that's pretty fun mm -hmm. i i do have a uh a question i'd like to pose um which is with the exception of Hope, because we know it was mentioned that she had to be the first one. Um, after that, who do you think was the first one to get uh, sinisterized? Well, it was it was the four who died that day, right? So, so we it was Emma, Exodus. Uh, Hope and Xavier all died simultaneously. Yeah. So it was everybody who was kind of resurrected in that group all had to use uh, Sync instead of Hope, right? So yeah. I think everybody was sinisterized. He mm -hmm. was manipulating the DNA for every single resurrection that happened. Just mm -hmm. Hope was fixing it. So those four, and I don't, I don't know if on page we saw the order they hashed, but because that was like the last couple scenes of 10 of more or less than 10 were them hatching and being like, all right, let's go, go get him. Right. Or no yeah. last page is a nine. Cause it was nine where he, he waylaid the council and then 10 mm. was them going and getting revenge on him for, for what he did. So I think they were all simultaneously sinister is what was implied. Right. 
mm. maybe. Yeah, until I read it at least. But I mean, like, it obviously it had to be like hope first, first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if, if or at least she had to be dead because she, yeah, yeah, that's true. But I yeah. mean, like, if if we're going by that logic though of hope being like the absolute first, then I feel like of the four, the last one then is easily Exodus because he's going to go with it anyways. Right. So next would probably be Charles in my mind. Well, it's, we saw that we saw that in issue nine, his like his priority order for kills, mm-hmm. and I feel like he he had emma and xavier second and third usually right and yeah, he like was yeah. updating it each 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 time he fucked up and he went back he was <laughs> updating his priority list but because uh, he had guess he had destiny high and then he realized like okay i just can't 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 kill destiny at all and <laughs> man this is gonna be such a good binge when it's all done and we go back to try to try to make sense of it all figure it all out <laughs> i just i love the callbacks i loved the the remind the, the the repetition of like we need to be on the same side and i still say to me that is setting up a final alliance of storm destiny and sinister and it makes me wonder everyone's assuming the end of this event is sinister punished and removed from the council and probably repitted or whatever yeah what if this is all a learning experience for Sinister? What if at the end, Destiny is the only one who remembers what happened and Sinister basically ends up all in for humanity, like all in on Krakoa. Like he realizes that his weird answer won't work. And so he has to try to follow through with Xavier's goals. Maybe this is just me desperately wanting Sinister not to be utilized less next year, but like, (laughs) I feel I, like that's been such a theme. I would assume that either way, something that spins out of this will probably have at least a small part to play in Fall of X. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they're going to let our boy Sinister oh, go completely. too far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he'll probably... S- be around uh, but i do think it it would be really really cool to not see him redeemed but his outlook shifted um and as as you mentioned he realizes that my idea is you know stupid um so (laughs) let's do it um a long way. And like, yeah, I, th- I think that 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 seems the biggest possibility with all of everything that's coming up. Like, we have to keep him on the board, but maybe his outlook changes a little bit. I mean, look, if Beast can be a fascist, Sinister can be a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> but not to sidetrack us too much because we're already 40 minutes in, but uh, because you brought up Fall of X... Where are you guys on the is Fall of X an event versus a publishing line? Like, because I was big on, well, they announced it in that big banner of events. It's going to be an event thing. But Summer of Symbiotes is a publishing line. Summer of Symbiotes mm. isn't an event anymore. There, mm. that It is a series of books coming out. Uh, I can... I can see the merits to both ideas. Um... Personally, I'm going to continue under the assumption that it's an event. Um, I'd like it if it was a publishing line, because then we get more X content. Right. Um, But I am flying under the, the assumption that it's an event. Yeah. That makes sense. I think so too. I think also like because Destiny of X started as a publishing line like what like a year ago ish. Yeah, it was early twenty twenty two. It was like it was at the end. They they had the bridge event of the X Lives and Deads, so it was like March. Yeah, uh, to to redo it every year like it's the Hellfire Gala. I don't know if they want to set up that. Well, but they have been right because we had. Dawn of X, then Reign of X. And nah, then... Nah, I guess that is true. Huh? I guess it's more like every year and a half, which this might end up being about a year and a half. I don't, yeah. I, I still think it's probably an event, but 
that switch on Summer of Symbiotes had in my gears of like, oh no, was Joe right? Was Joe right? <laughs> so Sebastian Shaw basically turns the waiting room into Krakoan hell so he can negotiate with the other hells, right? Which is like a weird one page that could be its own whole series with how crazy that setup is, right? We've been kind of told through Way of X and stuff. So we're, they're supposed to just believe that these reincarnations have their souls that they are them when they get brought back we've already talked about how like two lauras like that kind of shit kind of makes you have to like question that whole aspect of it when you have these tampered with clones so it when there is a sinister version of someone is that person just trapped behind this programming or is there somewhere in some version of the waiting room that maybe why it has to be blocked off in hell? Is there a version of their original personality? Mm -hmm. like, what does that mean for the person who they actually are? The, again, I don't know the last time the Axemen actually used the word soul, but like for the ease of this conversation, will you soul? But like, I don't know. That's, that's a great point. And is this just going to give legion or whatever legion of x becomes it's just gonna give size spurrier reason to send kurt through even more like heart-wrenchy agonizing soul searching because who i'm really hung up on that idea that, that <laughs> their faith in the resurrection protocols are based on this isn't a clone this is them being revived but if that's the case and we have these non-revivals does that mean for the actual personality that has died? Well, you know, perhaps it's perhaps the actual personality is being re revived too, but it's sort of like a uh, oh god, uh, superior Spider-Man. Like there's another personality personality in the way of it and the other, other other one is sort of just trapped in a small part of their brain that's kind of what i was i was getting at with the like are they just are they there being overridden like mm. like hypnotize like like a super advanced hypnotizing essentially that they're still in yeah. there they just aren't in control maybe i don't know i i and i don't know if it's going to address it it just really i'm hung up on the storytelling potential there yeah um, i mean i i i wonder because like their true personalities are the downfall of sinister already anyways right yeah. like their true personalities is what has caused him to want to reset so they have to be intact to some extent yeah you know, maybe maybe the diamond, you know, the sinisterization, it's kind of like plankton piloting SpongeBob. No, I don't know. <laughs> That's your that is your final prediction. The sinister is is plankton from SpongeBob yeah. in there. There's a little Mister Sinister inside each brain, and he's literally no. <laughs> That's the real heart. Sinister is the little the little yeah. fish. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you have any like crazy bold predictions before we move on from Sin to Sinister? No, uh, but Soft Serve is a Sinister clone, and uh, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing big and bold for me right now. Aside from if I really wanted to double down and make my the real Nathaniel Essex is alive claim an actual. Um, guess but uh you're getting credit if that happens i, I think <laughs> oh, yeah, that's sure. a great idea uh, i still I, moira engine dr stasis is my my theory oh yeah also i i'm willing to put money on this event you know how like rachel summers made it in from the timeline they love to do that where someone survives they're bringing rasputin to right, mainstream 616 from this like Everybody loves the character. We haven't seen her since the Powers of X. It's weird that they decided to bring the same 100%. She's going to find a way to be, whether it's like tagging on with Destiny, who we know can see past the Moira lives. Like, what, whatever method they use, Rasputin makes it back. That is my bold prediction. Not bold. I think lots of people have a prediction. That is my prediction. Yeah. I think it's a good call. Yeah. Uh, I'll agree with that. Exterminators. Sabretooth. 
What you want to talk about first? Uh, well, I will absolutely never turn down a chance to talk about exterminators. Yeah, I mean, let's let's let's, all right. let's jump into it. Back to a world where Orocco exists, and thus we can be Orocco Public Radio again. Exterminators number five, written by Leah Williams and drawn by Carlos Gomez. It opens with Dracula offering Dazzler the boon, last issue of Dibs. Betsy Braddock and Rachel Summers give the other world refugees a trip home, leaving all the loose ties of the series wrapped up, except for the ass kicking. We see the team prepare, including the Praxis booty shorts from the opening <laughs> scene of the first issue, and Jubilee recruiting a mystery ally. They show up and start wrecking his dive bar slash roller rink. Dazzler reveals she bought it from the city uh, so she could do whatever she wants to it. Meanwhile, Laura is straight up wrecking the Collector while Dazzler kicks his ass. Collector takes on this cool demon form, but Jubilee unleashes atom bomb level energy and destroys the entire ship. Luckily, that mystery recruit was magic, and uh, they bribed her to help by offering her like a otherworld beastie as a pet. Very cute. Uh, the girls all celebrate in the now wrecked bar with some beers. Laura announces it's beer o'clock, sluts, before immediately regretting it. And in the end, we are promised the exterminators will return. Which I'm really afraid was just about that one scene we saw of them in the X Men issue. So give it's, us exterminators too. Give it to us now. Give us an exterminators right ongoing. Oh, for sure. Okay. Or or an Exterminators and X-Factor ongoing, and it'll be the first time I actually love a crossover when it's written by the same person. <laughs> okay. okay. I would see those two so casts combined. But give us two ongoings and then have them crossover six months in so we get yeah. plenty of content. Exactly. Like, I just... More Leah Williams. That's... <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> As always, this series was fantastic. You see a lot of really pointless kind of dude bro backlash by people who clearly haven't even read it. But tons of fun. It tells a really neat story. It doesn't get up its own ass with its messaging. Um, legitimately funny. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. Uh, it's a... It was a story that didn't take itself seriously from the start and it it knew it was uh you know ridiculous um yeah and it ab absolutely rolled with it uh for all five issues um it it genuinely made me feel um like i was i was reading a, a comic book again for the first time uh i uh, i had v v the biggest goofiest ass grin like plastered on my face every issue it has an energy that no other comic book has for sure where you just yeah. you feel like you're having a fun ass time in a media in a book that couldn't be translated to any other medium right you know? yeah it, it has to be through comics and god it's just it's just so good. I <laughs> I am uh I am Exterminator's number one fan. I have um there have been multiple of these dude bro TikToks that I've seen that have have been like Exterminators is, is ridiculous. And I am not one for uh, internet arguments, but I. Uh, but you pick that fight. <laughs> oh, that's a hill I'll die on. <laughs> well, and you know the thing that's so irritating about it is like, yeah, it's ridiculous, and that's what makes it fun. And I guarantee you, if the team was like Logan and Scott and Gambit, that like everyone would be in love with it. Oh yeah, no, it's the yeah. same types that love grindhouse movies when they're. Yeah. Just a bunch of dudes doing dude stuff, but as soon as it's it's girl power, suddenly it's oh, this is ridiculous. Why can't they take comics seriously anymore? I, I do want to say that I feel like um, Leah Williams might have dropped like bar of the year on just the just the title page, you know, in, yeah. in the title page with the summary at the very end when she writes, "Still, sometimes when someone breaks your heart, you've got to break even." 
Like, are you... Bars. Yeah, mic that's... drop. Perfect. Matless how. Do we know, does she have a rap career? Do, is she, like, secretly <laughs> dropping albums as, like... It's uh, just so good. MCX like... Factor or something? <laughs> and if not, why not? Yeah. No, I, um... I genuinely believe that the people who just dislike this comic, they just hate fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's so good. It's so fun. We got Jubilee, the atom bomb. That was phenomenal. Oh, that was so cool. When I love it, she straight up's like, something people have wanted to see me do for years. And she goes and does it. It was really mm-hmm. fun. Great. Great scene. Mm. Uh, as much as seeing Laura saying it's Miracle Hawk Sluts like hurt as a giant, it was great to see her immediately write. Like to me, that shows how self-aware Leah Williams is that she can write a character so well that like even their out-of-character moments, they immediately correct it and become in-character moments. It's so yeah. so fun. Yeah, because like it's it's that thing of like no, she wouldn't normally say this, but she's so caught up in the moment of like being with these friends and like the way that they act that she tries it and she's like, mm, not for me. <laughs> Most relatable moment ever. That like no, trying that... to be part of the crowd and be like, oh crap, that's not me. <laughs> no, absolutely. It, it had the vibes of like the one time you get invited to hang out with the cool kids and you try to say something that they say and they all look at you like you're a weirdo. <laughs> yep. Wow. At me like that, Keegan. Thanks. <laughs> I, I lived it too, my friend. I lived it too. I, I never got invited to hang out with the cool kids, so I don't know what y'all are talking about. I would say if I had any complaint, it would be that for how much buildup there was to Laura finally getting to go one-on-one with the collector, and that that was probably the longest standing thread because that goes back to all new Wolverine and stuff. She didn't really get to pay that off much. Like, she kind of got to yeah. kick his butt for a few, and then it got handed off to Jubilee. And as the the Laura fanboy, like that, that did kind of suck. But I, mm. I can I can understand that. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that if you had one complaint, it's that it's only five issues. But that's a valid one too. <laughs> well, we already talked about how we need the sequel announced ASAP. So I know <laughs> it's not long enough, Leah. Do it. There is an extent to which I'm glad they just called it a five-issue mini, though, because then you get a conclusion, because mm-hmm. how often these days do we get an ongoing series that just gets canceled at issue seven and doesn't feel like it actually gets to land the plane? So, If mm-hmm. only that could happen with X-Force. <laughs> it, it, it's time has to be soon. It's the last survivor of the original Dawn of X-Wave. Yeah. All right. Any last parting words on the last issue ever of Exterminators for all time, never to be seen again? Announce the sequel, Leah. Please. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> Leah, if you see this, you probably won't. You're magic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Leah, you. if you see this, you probably <laughs> scrolled away immediately assuming we're dude bros. We are not dude bros. <laughs> Come on the podcast, please. Yes, yes, yes. You know that mystery guest. You know that mystery guest I was talking about. Rod, Rod, not Leah. Might be in that wheelhouse. Might be in that wheelhouse though. Sabretooth and the Exiles, number three, written by Victor Laval, drawn by Leonard Kirk. It opens with Third Eye explaining that this version, or Sabretooth and the Exiles, number three, written by Victor Laval, drawn by Leonard Kirk. It opens with Third Eye explaining the version of the astral plane they're in. It's less Legion and more classic Doctor Strange. The team is trying to figure out a plan to save Orphan Maker, aware that the astral plane is buying them time. But as soon as he returns to his body, Nanny is hilariously skeptical about the astral plane, considering she's literally standing in it. Shockingly, they find an Orcus station physically in the astral plane coming out of a body, uh, where they're conducting astral mining i love this shit (laughs) even third eye is shocked and confused by the physical presence in the plane though he recognizes it's a moot point because it's been abandoned Uh, as they land on it they are approached by the creation dr barrington's soldier who is inadvertently brought in with them third eye refuses to send her back because she'd just go tamper with the bodies 
Back in Station 2 in the physical realm, Dr. Barrington pulls herself from the wreckage. Orphan Maker starts freaking out, but Melter calms him down by pretending to be Johnny Storm. Toad, Sabretooth, and Oya explore the station and get into a fight before uh, discovering a giant tentacled monster with a body floating in the center of it uh, at the heart of the station. Oya wants to try to communicate with the body, but Creed and Toad are like, I don't know, and run. Uh, the prisoners in the station get their powers back and free their cellmates, who place themselves between Dr. Barrington and Orphan Maker's defenseless body. Barrington calls her creation back to the physical realm, and we get a data page written by her boss, GC, about the history of the Indian Health Services in hiring doctors with really alarming records of prior malpractice. And you know what's super messed up? All of that is true. Like, that was taken straight out of a Washington Post article, and uh, all they did was, like... Do initials instead of the actual doctor's names. But that was a true fucking story. Horrifying. Barrington and her creation escape. And in the final page, Oya reveals that the floating body is a dead clone of Sabretooth. It is crazy to think. I, I would call this issue a 4 out of 5. This was a lot of fun. I'm loving this miniseries. And it was the weakest of the three issues this week. This was such a good week for comics. Yeah, I mean, amazing. phenomenal week from the X office. Truly. Banger after banger. Truly. I just, I am amazed by it. Alright, are you ready for that pointless trivia that I probably shouldn't know? Yes. I would say GC is 100% confirmed as Graydon Creed at this point because he, like, signs it or in the the data page he's referred to, he refers to himself as GC299. Guess where Graydon Creed first appeared? Issue 299. Uncanny X-Men 299. I I think that is like the final wink and a nod it needs to go from like really fun theory to 100% guaranteed. Dang, that's crazy. That would make sense. Yeah. What's up with the Astral Plane clone? All I know is how I'm calming people down from now on is just pretending to be Johnny Storm. That was such a cute scene. And such a good throwback to the first issue where... Melter like straight up denies it, and then now he's to the point where he's legit just trying to be a homie. So cute. Yeah. No, this was such a good issue. It was so much fun. Uh, did a lot, like a yeah. lot. Um, but yeah, that that reveal at the end with the clone, uh, or at least we assume it's a clone. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> true. Wild. I that the astral plane. You might it might not be a clone. It might be like his soul or some weird. Yeah. Weird. Like yeah, it could be a soul. It could be Krakoa saber tooth. It could be anything, like the pit saber tooth. <laughs> Lots of clones this week. Lots yeah, of clones this week. I, ooh. okay. So you brought up the Melter scene. The other really good character moment that didn't really get covered in my summary that well is when Toad and Sabretooth are arguing. Had so many good callbacks to like House of X and. Like, it was just such a good callback to the relationship they've shared leading up to his initial pitting. Mm-hmm. Oh. Victor yeah. Laval is... He's on another level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does a really, really good job of portraying a found family. Um, if a little bit of a dysfunctional one, but a, a found family nonetheless. Uh, a really reluctant one. Like, yeah. They're literally together because they were sent to hell together. And like, well, I guess we're family. And that's how all family should be formed. Fair. <laughs> Wait, are you describing our Discord server as hell? <laughs> oh, would you look at the time? I've got a... <laughs> uh... I got a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I would enjoy this series. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought. Did you read the first one or not? I did. Okay, it's it's a really surprisingly strong one-two punch between yeah. Sabretooth and then Sabretooth and the Exiles. I I I won't go into my usual spiel because I feel like I've said it a lot of times on the pod, but I really did not have faith in the sequel. I thought the sequel was going to be a big downgrade, and it's not. I'm I'm very much enjoying this. It's top of the stack for me every week. It's out. It's, I, I guess since the Sinister was technically top top of the stack, but. A lot of times I'll try to pace my X-Books through the week, but I had to read all three of these before I read anything else Wednesday morning. Absolutely. Sometimes yeah. I'll save my best X-Books for last when I know that there's like a, a bad week of other comics that I want to yeah. read. But these were all at the top. 
all bangers. Mm-hmm. And I can invite you into my dark web. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. It's amazing. All right, but can can I make it a little more enticing? Sure. This is the second to last time you'll ever have to climb into my dark web. Yes. Except next, except next week it has to be an actual like major part of the show. So. Uh, well. Yeah. But we'll survive it and we'll move on <laughs> and we'll have a mystery guest and so that'll make it lots of fun. Let's talk Amazing Spider-Man 18, written by Zeb Wells, drawn by Ed McGinnis, picks up right after Dark Web X-Men number three. Uh, but for some reason, Maddie is an entirely different person. Like, in the span of two minutes, she goes from, yeah, guys, Team X-Men, high fives, I'm so glad you're accepting me, to, I said I'd work with you, I'm still in charge, Maddie. Like, complete character shift in the span of walking through a portal. Whatever. Uh, and that was, like, the extent of the X-Men part of this story so ben riley basically gets character assassinated for like the 10th time this year and he's now the goblin king uh and maddie and peter parker on the final page like shake hands of like let's do this together so i don't know we have the finale next week where whatever the hell this crap is final end <laughs> listen listen I'm fine with this goblin queen, queen goblin mix-up nonsense and all of that. But you're going to sit here and you're going to besmirch David Bowie's good name with this shit, with this goblin king? No. Absolutely not. I won't You're stand standing here it. upset about David Bowie. Well, I'm upset at my boy Ben Riley. When's he get a personality back? When no. He... He's supposed to be Peter without the baggage, and now they've just given him the most baggage of any Peter Parker out there. He wants his memories back so bad, and, and, and Maddie's essentially like, I'm happy for you, or I'm sorry that happened. I'm not reading all of that. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, his, like, his whole plan was, I'm gonna just wait out Peter and make him eat the stupid apple. And we get one issue of Peter being like, I'm not gonna eat the apple. And then this year's like, it's too late to eat the apple. Why did this need to be a giant crossover? None of the event, none of, nothing of consequence happened. None of this was a story that needed to be told. <laughs> I have, I have been perfectly clear that I am not liking Dark Web. I I do not like Dark Web. I don't even like Madeline Pryor. Um, and I am aware that now Joe of X is going to come to my house and he is going to break my knees. Um, <laughs> I commend you, though, because I personally have been too scared to say that I don't care for Maddie. Like, I just no, don't. I, I, I really just... I never liked... I, I never liked Madeline Pryor as a character. Um, Here's my beef. Here's my beef. I was with you until Vida Ayala wrote an amazing redemption arc for her earlier this year. And I finally was like, you know what? I think I finally get Maddie. I finally like Maddie. And then Dark Web comes and it's like, let's just destroy that characterization. Oh, you, you like Maddie? <laughs> for how long? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the span of like four months. <laughs> oh, you like Maddie? Wrong. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the web, my, my, my friends? So, I have a little bit of a confession to make. Um, I hadn't, um, I hadn't been keeping up with Amazing Spider-Man for for the obvious reason that it's bad. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, in in order to prepare, I went and I read all of it. <laughs> all 18 issues? All 18 issues. I read you all of it. poor bastard. And at about issue 8, it became more, more of a chore and a, 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 a challenge to myself that I, I I had to finish it. I could do this, you told yourself. <laughs> Um, yeah, not good. Don't do it. Oh, I Owen, as as two of your elders, we want to let you know 
that is what made you you are now a man <laughs> surviving 18 issues in a binge of amazing spider-man is the type of trial that makes you go from a boy to a man <laughs> i mean i i'm only reading the dark web issues because i have a podcast that necessitates it <laughs> i will tell you keegan one benefit you get is the ed mcginnis art is actually like, the book is actually drawn well for this arc you have to understand for the vast majority of this run it's drawn by jrjr so it is yeah. all of this terrible writing and then everyone looks like they need to take a dump Every face John Romita Jr. draws is the exact same face. Yeah. So, so you get that benefit at least. <laughs> I, I I do enjoy I enjoy seeing all the bad the bad John Romita Jr. art. Uh, it, it 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 brings me a certain level of like entertainment, kind of like going and looking at Rob Liefeld art. Like <laughs> See, that's because to, you're not reading it. <laughs> to me, Rob Liefeld is. Like objectively bad, whereas yeah. I think John Romita Jr. in a way keeps me humble because enough people like it that I have to acknowledge that like this is an opinion of mine. This is proof that the wide range of opinions means there are opinions out there that are a hundred percent valid that make zero sense to me because well, I cannot fathom liking John Romita Jr. art, but I accept I, that it's acceptable. Or, not even acceptable. Any opinion is acceptable. I accept it as a mainstream opinion. There are enough people that like it that it's clearly partially my fault. But I cannot stand the faces. The faces make no sense. No. And and you know at the at the risk, I don't want to start uh, this as an actual conversation because it's far too intellectual for this podcast. But it, it reminds me of the concept of like every movie is someone's favorite movie. Yeah. And that's terrifying. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I won't say the name of the movie. Um, I'll let you guess. But my friend's brother had a really odd favorite movie. Um, and if you're interested, I'll tell you afterwards. I, I'm but... very curious afterwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I'm going to assume it's it's something pretty bad. If you, so we'll have to talk later. Yeah. <laughs> Are we leaving the web? Are we going to crawl Please. out of the web? Let me off of the web. <laughs> I had in big bold print news roundup, but I think with Sins of Sinister, there wasn't any like major news drops this week. Uh, we found out some stuff about Captain America Cold War, but that's not really related to us, except hopefully he calls for mommy again at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in in news that should be uh, X news and we should be talking about where is my X Men poll? Where is my X vote? Where is my X vote? Where's my X vote? Where's my X vote? The where's my elephant meme? Where is it? At this point, at this point. I think all of the they're waiting for dark web to be over rumors might have some weight. I keep an eye on the internet Thursday. I, mm. I I would not be shocked, but I don't want Maddie to be in the poll because I want them to have firm plans for Maddie before. I guess I shouldn't have transferred us out of the web yet. So it seems like the prevailing theories for Maddie are she ends up on uncanny Avengers because that's where it looks like Havoc ends up because we have a Captain Krakoa on the Uncanny Avengers. And as we discussed last week, it doesn't make sense for Psychoth to be there. It makes sense for for Havoc to be there. And it would make sense for Maddie to be on whatever team she's on because he's on because of the conversation they had. I want her to move to Arako. I want Al Ewing to be able to turn Maddie into a character that you two won't sit here and be like, I don't care for her. I want you to be like, you know what? Maddie's great. And Al Ewing's the man who can do that. I mean, yeah, Al Ewing absolutely could do that. I would love to be proven wrong. Yeah. No. If we don't get the X vote this week, start start rioting because there it's usually over by now. Usually it goes up for a week, mm. mid January, and we are into February, or we will be by the time people are hearing us rage. Next week. Next week. You guys want to talk about next week? Legion of X number ten, which still really throws me for a loop but i'm really excited for and is the only thing on this list i'm excited for we have x-force 37 
We have the Dark Web Finale, which I guess I am excited for, but not because I want to read it, just because it'll be over. Uh, and Venom 16, which is also a Dark Web tie-in. So but they'll I guess finally leave my boy alone. <laughs> probably read that first. And then uh, we have a decision to make, Keegan. Do we want to bother with Scarlet Witch 2, or do we want to leave it off the list and wait for it to become relevant before we care? It was a really pretty book. <laughs> Had great but art. It did nothing for my X-Men brain. Okay. So I think we can leave it off. Let's leave it off. That'll do it for us. Owen, thank you for being here again, dude. I am honored. I, I, I would be here every week if I could. I love being here. You know that. Maybe in a month or so. We'll see. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on TikTok as The Broken Record. I talk about literally anything. Um, I have ab- absolutely no boundaries, no morals. I will talk talk about your favorite character like they're nothing. Um, <laughs> I also have a Twitter. Uh, I get angry there. Um, I didn't know this. I gotta start following. I gotta be angry, <laughs> Owen. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen you at less than like a seven on the happiness scale. You're usually a very happy guy in the best way. Yeah, it's um, it's been a lot of the D and D stuff. Uh, that's yeah, where all yeah. your OGL takes are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of tabletop role playing games, we have a Discord server, and we we've been talking about on that Discord server us organizing maybe a. Uh, game of the marvel tabletop game and a certain broken record was talking about dming it for us there may have been mentions of that um i'm i am playing a game of it shortly um with uh your real life friends (laughs) You're cheating my, on us with people that actually exist in your physical vicinity. My, my actual human friends. Yes. And um, <laughs> your non Comega mutant friends. It's fine. Um, and I, I have obtained the the PDF, and I, I thought, hey, who else do I know that like X Men? Uh, and we'll go from there. I'm very excited for that possibility. Make sure you're in our Discord server linked in the show notes if you want to play because I assume like most tabletop games you need at least like four or five people. So come yeah. come join the community. We talk a lot about lots of fun stuff. Sometimes Keek and I overshare about our personal lives. Uh, we yeah. just launched a Pet Picks channel where people are sharing some adorable animals. Um, and make sure you like us, review us on all the places. Keegan, you have anything new or exciting to plug? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm that nerdy papa burn all the socials. Keegan is Bulk Ranger. Until next time. To me, my me's. Mm-hmm.